The two-team SEC playoff scenario is alive now more than ever. We'll talk about why Oklahoma's loss didn't really help that out, why Notre Dame's loss did, why the Pac-12 could be set for a major showdown, how Michigan and Texas A&M can be big-time spoilers, that and much more. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk College Football. It's me, Michael Kirkering, your host. And I have to start out the show with the most important headline. It's the one everyone's been pushing since the season started without really any good reason for it other than the conspiracy theories. But that is the idea that there will be two SEC teams in the college football playoff this year. Now, where I'm going to go to first is this Oklahoma loss this season because it kind of plays into it, but not really in the way that people want to think, and that's what I'll talk about. But before we get into what the ramifications were for that loss or not nationwide, let's just talk about that game for a second. For the third week in a row, or maybe it's a third time in four weeks, but For the third time this season, we had a major upset where a top five team lost to an unranked team. Now, this one, I think, is the least big of those upsets. If you look back through them, we had Georgia getting knocked off by South Carolina. We had Illinois beat Wisconsin the next week, I believe. And then this week, we had an unranked Kansas State team beat Oklahoma. Now, this game to me is not... as nearly as big as those first two upsets for a couple of reasons one kansas state is now i think six and two or five and two and they're actually ranked now and this game was at home for kansas state now the shocking thing about this game was just early on how kansas state had i think a 25 point lead at one point and that's where you started to get scared for oklahoma because like i said you lose one game basically in any conference other than maybe the ACC this year, and you rally to win that conference, you're probably going to the playoff. You might have to worry about some other one-loss conference champions or undefeated teams beating you out with resume, but you know you're not getting jumped by anyone else, basically. So that loss for Oklahoma was looking to maybe have these Ohio State-Purdue or Ohio State-Iowa ramifications, but Oklahoma did come back in the game and made it very close in the end they actually lost on the tail end of a pretty controversial call in my opinion they kicked an onside kick and recovered it it was a very well executed onside kick if you just look at the way it went down but after reviewing the play for literally felt like forever at least 10 minutes of real time i feel like it had to be They determined that at the 9-yard mark, remember the ball has to go 10 yards on an onside kick before the offensive team can recover it legally, they determined that an Oklahoma player touched the ball, and you know what, it just kind of had shades to me, this isn't the first time that an Oklahoma team has been screwed over by an onside kick call, if you remember that 2006 Oregon-Oklahoma game in Eugene, which, I mean, and that was an abysmal call. This one is just a little controversial, but that that Oregon one in 2006 was just horrendous. I mean, you could clearly see that the Oregon guy had touched the ball, and they reviewed it and still gave the ball to Oregon, and Oklahoma ended up losing, which was ridiculous. But in this one, I mean, it did look like the ball probably touched that player's arm, but to me, since they called it an Oklahoma recovery, I didn't really see how that was indisputable evidence to overturn it. 
but whatever, they made that call, they overturned it. Oklahoma loses by a touchdown on the road to K-State, who's now ranked, who now plays Texas. I mean, this Kansas State team could finish like 9-3. and three. And, I mean, or... I mean, seriously, they might go ten and two, but let's say Kansas State goes nine and three. That's that's no longer a bad loss at all. Even if Kansas State goes to like eight and four, still not a terrible loss. You know, Oklahoma always seems to drop one of these Big Twelve games every year. Last year it was to Texas, obviously, which was impressive, but it's kind of in their nature to just lose one of these Big Twelve games. You remember a couple years ago they lost to Iowa State, and then Iowa State, kind of what I just said, you know, they ended up being a pretty decent team that year, like a 9-4 and team, so that loss didn't look as bad. But let's get back to the big picture because people in SEC country are, you know, they're just rooting their, their asses off for Oklahoma to lose that game because, unfortunately, they think that that somehow helps their narrative of getting two of their teams into the playoff. And I'm here to say that the Oklahoma game really didn't matter that much. Now, if Oklahoma loses another game, it'll matter. But like I said last week, I'm pretty sure, if you are really rooting for this two-SEC team scenario, you're more focused on the Pac-12, Notre Dame, and now that Oklahoma has lost, you're focused on them losing another game. Because I think we all know, everyone who's not bundle down in the SEC country calling into Paul Feinbaum every day. The rest of us know that a one-loss SEC team that didn't win their conference championship, especially if that team's Alabama this year, is not going to get into the playoff over a one-loss conference champion from any conference. Like I said, now that we're late in the season, I don't think Clemson can afford a loss and maintain their stature now that we're this late in the season, right? But even though most years they probably would be able to do that, but this year maybe not. So, like I've said, let's say Oklahoma runs the table, Ohio State runs the table, Clemson, LSU, Oregon, okay? Forget the fact that Alabama or, or LSU are the loser of that game not getting in. You're going to have to deal with one of those conference champions not getting in, right? I mean, Clemson runs the table. They're in. Lock it up. SEC champion, whether they have a loss or not, lock them up. They're going to the playoff, okay? Let's just say LSU runs the table at this point. And then let's say Ohio State runs the table. Where There's your three teams right there. Locks. Playoff locks in those three teams. Now let's say that Oklahoma and Oregon finish as one-loss conference champions, and let's say you also have an 11-1 Alabama out there who lost to LSU. Oklahoma and Oregon would both be above Alabama in that situation, and it would be coming down to their resumes. Alabama wouldn't even get consideration. Now, don't come back at me if this situation unfolds and on ESPN and in the committee rooms, you know, they make it seem like Alabama's in that conversation. They won't be, right? Just like they pretended out that Georgia was in that conversation last year, even got cute and ranked Georgia ahead of Ohio State in the final rankings to make it seem like it really was like that. But we all know last year, and I've talked about this before, that if Georgia, or sorry, no, if Oklahoma would have lost to Texas again in the Big 12 championship game, making them a two-loss team, and then it kind of came down to Ohio State and Georgia, there's no question they would have picked Ohio State as a one-loss Big Ten champion over a two-loss Georgia team. I mean, that's just that's just the reality. The only people that don't think that's true are Georgia fans and some of these hardcore SEC weirdos, right? But of course, today, you know, you wake up. I mean, this is Wednesday, but... Saturday, as soon as Oklahoma lost, all day Sunday, you're hearing all these SEC fans start to get pumped up like, okay, yes, this is what we needed. This is what we needed, right? Oklahoma lost, one of the undefeateds goes down, and that means that one of our backup teams is going to get in. It's like, guys, what do you not, they don't understand. I'm not saying this is right, or this is how it should be, or anything like that. I'm just saying, based on what the committee's done before, a conference championship win is always going to be a giant tiebreaker over a team that doesn't have that when the records are the same. So people think that, oh, 11-1 Alabama is somehow on par with 12-1 and 
Big 12 champion Oklahoma or 12 and 1 Pac 12 champion Oregon. They they think that those resumes are the same. And they're absolutely not the same, not even close. The committee, not me, this isn't me spitting out an opinion. The committee has shown us that when records are the same, right? You have the same number of losses that they put a conference championship above a team that doesn't have that, right? Where a lot of these SEC fans, and even just a lot of college football fans in general, they're so backed up into that corner of like, oh, it's all about resume, and like if you have the same record, it's who you lost to. And I understand the argument of saying like, look, if Alabama and LSU are one and two, which they are ranked right now, and Alabama or LSU, right, loses this game, by a field goal, or it goes to overtime, right, and it's the, the classic game of all time, and then both of those teams win out, how can you say that those aren't the best two teams? How do you not give the loser a chance? And I totally understand that argument, but the answer is pretty simple. It's called college football, and we live in a, a league where we've determined that there is the Power Five conferences, so by default of that term, you have to treat them generally the same when the records are the same, right? It's not the power one and the big four, you know, it's not the power two and the mid-tier three and then the group of five, right? They call it the power five for a reason. Now, I know there is this thing out there called strength of schedule, but that's broken down into individual teams. That doesn't really matter what conference you come from, right? Like I've said, guys, Alabama's schedule is no better than basically anybody else in the country. I would argue that Oregon's schedule, right up there with Alabama's. You know, Alabama plays two huge games, right? They've got the LSU game, and it's like people want to make, like, playing LSU, right, when they're ranked number one, yes, that's a monster game. That's a huge crazy tough game on the schedule but playing that game does not just make up for all the bad things on your schedule right to this point the best team alabama has played is texas a&m and sec fans more than anyone else are the ones bad-mouthing a&m right they they use that constantly to talk about how clemson hasn't beat anybody right well that's alabama's best win and that's awesome that Alabama's going to play LSU and that they're going to play what will probably be a three-loss Auburn team when they meet. But basically, Alabama has two games that are tough that actually matter, and that's LSU and that's Auburn. They also play New Mexico State, Southern Miss, and Western Carolina. Oh, and their big kickoff non-conference game this year was Duke. Oh, and let's run through their SEC slate. It's uh, at South Carolina, Old Miss, terrible, Tennessee, terrible, lost to Georgia Southern, Arkansas, one of the worst teams we've ever seen, and at Mississippi State, who's also a dumpster fire right now. You take away the LSU and Auburn game, and, and you got to give them credit for those games. They are playing those games, but you take away those two games. By the way, Auburn's probably a three-loss team when they play, and then after they lose to Bama, they're a four-loss team. So a 9-4 and four to finish the season, most likely Auburn team, and yes, a juggernaut LSU opponent. You take those two games out, and this Alabama schedule is as mediocre as any schedule you'll find in the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC. You know what? Let's let's run through a random ACC schedule, and you tell me what what's tougher. As much flack as the ACC is getting this year, and rightfully so. That narrative is all just based around the fact that they don't have a bunch of playoff contenders. It's not just a bottomed out conference, okay? I would argue the bottom of the SEC is significantly worse and deeper than the bottom of the ACC. I mean, guys, look at the ACC Coastal. There's like seven teams in contention for it. And yeah, that's because none of them are really good, but also none of them are really, really bad either, okay? You take out Georgia Tech, and there's like six teams over there that are like seven and or sorry, that, that are like three and two in the conference, right? Three and three, two and three, like those are all just decent football teams. And yeah, from the national perspective, your conference struggles, quote unquote, when you don't have a bunch of teams that are competing for the playoff. But realistically, most conferences only have a couple teams that might compete for the playoff, you know? ACC technically just has one in Clemson. Well, I mean, technically Wake Forest is sitting out there six and one, 
right? If Wake Forest were to somehow beat Clemson and win the ACC championship at 12-1, and I mean, you'd have to at least consider them. I, don't, I know their helmet says Wake Forest on it, and there's nothing sexy about that. But, I mean, like I said, it's the Power Five. You have to, by default of calling them that, hold them to some sort of an even tier. And yeah, we evaluate individual teams on their strength of schedule, but like I said, in my opinion, Alabama has absolutely no room to lose a game and still get into the college football playoff, especially over one-loss conference champions, right? I've been the first person to talk crap about the Big 12, the Pac-12, and this year about the ACC. But I do not believe in any way that an 11-1 Alabama team in any way deserves a playoff berth over a 12-1 Utah team coming out of the Pac-12 or 12-1 Oregon, right? That just, no, that would be ridiculous, right? And that's more of an opinion that it would be ridiculous. But also, that's how the committee works too. The committee has always made the PC move every time, and you can bet your ass that if it's 11 and 1 Alabama and 12 and 1 Utah or 12 and 1 Oklahoma competing for that fourth spot Alabama will be thrown out and it's going to come down to those other two conference champions okay and the evidence for that's overwhelming right i mean look at 2015 when Michigan State and Ohio State played and Michigan State was able to get that win in Columbus, kind of a sloppy, rainy game. Member Zeke complained about not getting the carries. So you had an Ohio State team that had just won the national championship the year before with an absolutely loaded roster, head coached by Urban Meyer, and they finished 11-1. and Well, guess who made the playoff over them that year? Obviously, Michigan State, because Michigan State had the head-to-head, won the Big Ten, even though we all know, we all know, that Ohio State would have put up twice the fight versus Alabama as Michigan State did that year in the playoff. But the committee wasn't just like, you know what, we know that Michigan State beat you, Ohio State, but we just know that you're better than them. So Michigan State, congratulations on winning the Big Ten, but we're going to put Ohio State in because we just know they're better, right? They didn't do that, and nobody complained about it. Even people in Ohio accepted the fact that, hey, we lost to Michigan State and there's other conference champions out there. We're not going to the playoff this year. There was no outcry in the Big Ten that, hey, I know that Michigan State beat us, but we should both be in the playoff. Because guess what? Oklahoma didn't even have a conference championship game and they still made the playoff. So an 11-1 Oklahoma that year made the playoff over an 11-1 Ohio State. Ohio State was by far better than Michigan State and Oklahoma. And what happened in the playoff that year? Alabama murdered Michigan State. And Clemson, although the first half was close, pretty much blew out Oklahoma in that Orange Bowl. And we got a great national title out of it when Alabama and Clemson had their first game in that series that they've now had. But you're telling me that if Ohio State was in one of those other two playoff games against those teams that those games wouldn't have been more entertaining. Guarantee you Ohio State puts up just as big of a fight against Clemson and Alabama as they did against each other, right? That game would have been way better than the Clemson-Oklahoma game, and it certainly would have been better than the Alabama-Michigan State game. But no one complained. No one complained. And if we want to stay in the Big Ten... This year, what is blatant disrespect to the conference is this little SEC narrative that they've been trying to put in our heads since before the season even started, right? That, oh, the loser of this LSU-Bama game is going to make it. Well, guys, guess what might happen in the Big Ten? The exact same situation. Penn State and Ohio State are going to play. They're probably going to both be undefeated. Someone's going to lose that game. It's probably going to be a classic good game. You cannot sit there and defend the two-team SEC narrative without also defending the two-Big Ten team narrative, okay? The loser of the Penn State-Ohio State game has just as much, if not more, of a claim to get into the playoff than the Alabama-LSU loser, okay? Those are identical situations. So what if, what if both happen? What if Alabama loses to LSU 
and Penn State loses to Ohio State. And for Alabama and Penn State, those are both their only losses. What, are you going to put Ohio State, Penn State, LSU, and Bama in the playoff and leave out these other conference champs? Probably not. Probably not. It's not going to happen. And for people to sit there and harp on this SEC scenario without giving any credence, like literally, have you seen anybody on ESPN, on FS1, on any radio show, on any big-time podcast, maybe this week they're finally starting to, but have you seen any of them bring up this potential scenario where, hey, at the end of the year, we might have this Penn State-Ohio State game, and the loser of that game might still make the playoff, you know, going 11-1. and I mean, those are two really good teams. No, nobody's made that argument. But for some reason, we've been hearing about the LSU-Alabama argument, it feels like, back in August. And that's why preseason rankings are stupid and these perceptions that people try to put in their heads are also stupid, right? The only reason we heard about the Alabama situation preseason is because Alabama was preseason number one. And then LSU went and got a big win against Texas in September, which made everybody think, oh, they're different. They're going to be this really good team. Well, that Texas win isn't looking as good as it did before. You're not talking about a three-loss Texas team who just lost to TCU. Granted, Texas has a lot of injuries at defensive back, but even when everybody was, for the most part, healthy against LSU, LSU still put, what, 45 points on Texas? And then Texas lost to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma lost a game. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Texas could lose two more games. Texas still has to play Kansas State, Iowa State, and Baylor. They could go two out of three for those, right? They could lose all three. They could win all three. Either way, Texas is a 9-3 and three team at absolute best. And I really feel like they're going to lose at least one more game. Just the way they're playing, that's what it seems like. So, honestly, the Big Ten has way more of an argument to get two teams in the playoff than the SEC does, in my opinion, especially if the loser of the LSU-Alabama game is Bama. Now, if LSU loses that game and it's a nail-biter and it's a classic, you kind of have a little bit more of an argument there because LSU has played Florida, they've played Auburn, they went on the road to Texas, Right? They're going to play Texas A&M at the end of the year, who's coming on fairly strong now down the stretch. So, which is, I mean, that's Alabama's best win at this point. So LSU is going to have a way stronger argument if they are the team that loses. I still don't think they deserve to get in over the other conference champions if the records are the same, but they would have a stronger argument at least. Where if Alabama loses, are you kidding me? You think a one-loss Alabama would have an, a better argument than a one-loss Penn State or a one-loss Ohio State? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Penn State has some good wins already on the road against teams that are just as good, if not better, than some of these road wins we see in the SEC, right? Why is Iowa not considered as good of a win as, as Auburn, right? LSU beats Auburn. Oh, it's a great, great win. You know, beat Auburn. Well, Iowa is a two-loss team, right? Their only losses to Michigan and to Penn State. But, oh, but Iowa's this crappy team that only plays defense, has no offense. Well, yeah, so is Auburn. So is Auburn. Okay, I think Auburn and Iowa are both great. I'd love to see them play in a bowl game or something, you know. I'm not saying Auburn's not good and trying to take anything away from the narrative we've created around Auburn. But I am saying the idea that we've created this narrative around Iowa being just a mediocre bad team right? Or Kansas State, you know, Kansas State is two lost now, then they have a big win over Oklahoma. So the two lost teams, and I'll get into those later, there's some good ones out there, including Michigan. Yeah, Michigan had a bad day against Wisconsin, and Harbaugh has a track record. But everybody always says you can't take the other years into account. You have to just focus on this year. And if you're just focusing on this year, Michigan had one bad game, and they now have two pretty big wins this year. Iowa's a big win to me. Don't care what anybody else says. That's a big win. It's just as big of a win as an SEC team beating Auburn. It's just as big as an SEC team beating Texas A&M. Iowa's a pretty good team. Michigan beat them. And Michigan just trounced Notre Dame. Now, let's get into that Notre Dame game because if there was a game that I think is more important to helping that SEC 2 playoff team narrative, it was actually Notre Dame. Because let's say there was going to be a team that got into the playoff this year. Let's say chaos happens in the Pac-12 and Oregon and Utah lose games and the winner of the Pac-12 has two losses or the winner of the Big 12 has two losses, right? Or Clemson loses a game or something. 
it was never going to be those teams, I think, that helped out Alabama. And if we are talking about an 11-1 non-conference champion getting in the playoff, I think Notre Dame would have had to get that notch over Bama, right? If, if Notre Dame's only loss was Georgia, especially if Georgia ended up like winning the East and going to the SEC championship game, winning that game, or even just losing a close SEC championship game, if Notre Dame's only loss was Georgia and they went 11-1, I think they have just as much of an argument as Alabama would say if Alabama went 11 and 1. I think Notre Dame's overall schedule is it's not amazing because some of the teams they play are, are down this year but it I think it's better than Bama's, right? On the road at Georgia, on the road at Michigan, right? They still play Stanford, they play USC. I know those teams aren't highly ranked, but it's still a, a, as tough of a schedule as Bama's. I think so. Also, Notre Dame has five teams that get bye weeks going into the game against them this year. That is tough, okay? When you don't have a bye week, but your opponent does, that's a hard task. And Notre Dame has to do that scenario five times this year. That's, that's really, really tough. Now, it doesn't matter because Notre Dame just got their butt kicked by Michigan. But I think that is a bigger help to a potential one-loss Alabama team down the road getting into the playoff than this Oklahoma loss. Like I said, Oklahoma's got to lose again, right? Oregon and Utah have to lose two games total to really help that narrative if it happens at the end, right? Or you need the Big Ten to just implode on itself somehow, right? You need Penn State to beat Ohio State and then have Ohio State lose again to Michigan and then have Penn State lose the Big Ten Championship or get upset by Minnesota the next, you know, all that stuff needs to go down to really help the loser of this LSU-Bama game. And that's why I think the Notre Dame game was a bigger game in helping that scenario potentially unfold down the road. And, you know, I've spent 25 minutes, you know, ranting about this subject and, and it's dumb because I don't even want to. We shouldn't even be talking about this, right? But it's like if we don't get out ahead of it and talk about why it shouldn't happen, while at the same time, they've been getting out way ahead of it for the entire year talking about why it should happen, then it just feels like it's going to actually end up happening, you know, or something like that. Now, I trust the committee because based on what they've done before, I just don't think they would put that Alabama team in. People just get so confused because an 11-1 Alabama team got in before, an 11-1 Ohio State got in before, but they never got in over a one-loss Power 5 conference champ. And I don't think they ever will. Now I want to go talk about something else that's pretty cool, and it's what we could potentially be seeing happening in the Pac-12 this year. I think every conference so far, maybe not the Big 12, so the Pac-12 and the Big 12 haven't had this happen yet. And I really, I think that, yeah, the, no, the Big 10 definitely has. So when a conference championship game essentially becomes a playoff game, that's what you want the most, right? The argument for an eight-team playoff or an expanded playoff, to me, kind of goes away or becomes irrelevant the more we get a conference championship game that really holds weight. And by that, I mean that going into the game, the both teams have playoff hopes, right? And we see this most commonly in the SEC, right? There's been plenty of years where the winner of the SEC championship game is either in the modern era going to the playoff or even before the playoff era, like going to the BCS championship game, right? Just think in the last 10 to 12 years, right? In 2008 and in 2009, you had one and two or one and three Alabama versus Florida matchups, right? The winner of that game was going to go play in the BCS championship. In 2008, Alabama was undefeated, number one. Florida was like 11 and one, number two or number three. They beat Alabama, right? They went to the championship, but if they lost, Alabama would have gone. Next year, you had the exact same thing. Florida came in undefeated. Alabama came in undefeated, and the winner of that game, which was Alabama, went to the BCS championship game, right? And in the playoff era, we, we've had some similar scenarios happen. So in 20... Now, if you want to stick in the SEC, the SEC championship game actually kind of struggled in the early playoff era, right? You want to think 2014, it was pretty good. You know, Missouri was really good again, like they were in 13, but I don't know if they would have made the playoff had they beat Alabama that year. Maybe. I think they went two losses. But, and then of course in 2015 and 16, you had a really mediocre Florida team get in and play Bama. They got trounced both times, so that wasn't a playoff game. But in 2017, 
right? We had the Auburn-Georgia game, and the winner of that game was probably going to go to the playoff. Auburn had two losses, but the way things were shaking up that year and with how strong of a schedule Auburn had, they probably were going to go to the playoff if they beat won that game against Georgia. And obviously, Georgia did go to the playoff because they did beat Auburn. They only had the one loss, right? You look at last year. You had Alabama-Georgia. Some people thought both of them were going to make the playoff if uh, Georgia won. But you basically had a game where if Georgia won, they went to the playoff. If Alabama won, they went to the playoff, right? And Alabama won and took that away from them. And other conferences have had this happen several times too. The ACC, it's happened once. You had the year where Miami and Clemson played each other. And even though Miami got destroyed and stood no chance, technically on paper, had Miami won that game, even though they lost a pit literally the week before, just the way things set up, they would have made the playoff that year probably as a 12-1 ACC conference champ with a huge monster win over Clemson to end the year. We've seen it in the Big Ten once, right? We had that year, 2015, where you had undefeated Iowa versus Michigan State. The winner of that game was going to go to the college football playoff, right? And then you have the more common scenario where one team has playoff hopes on the line and the other team probably can't make the playoff, but they still have big game aspirations, right? So think Oklahoma, Texas last year. Oklahoma was playing for a playoff spot. Texas was still playing for a Big 12 championship and a 10-win regular season, you know, all those things. Even though Texas still got to go to a New Year's Six Bowl in the loss, right? Or you have, what was it, 2017, you had Wisconsin, who was undefeated, playing 10-2 and Ohio State. Ohio State kind of had outside playoff hopes, but Wisconsin would have gone to the playoff had they won. But Ohio State's like, hey, no, we want a Rose Bowl. We want to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. And they ended up winning that game, which took Wisconsin out of the playoff. So those are fun, right? We've had those scenarios, but we've never had one of those in the Pac-12. In fact, we've only had a Pac-12 championship game, I think, one time where the where one of the teams was even going to go to the playoff. That was 2016 when Washington made the playoff. But a lot of times we have the Pac-12 championship game set up where neither team is going to go to the playoff, and it's basically just for a Rose Bowl berth. Well, for the first time this year, we potentially could have a setup where you have an 11-1 Oregon playing an 11-1 Utah, and most likely that would make that game a playoff game, right? Because outside the SEC... The Big Ten, right? Best case scenario this year in the Big Ten, you're going to have a probably a two-loss team in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten championship game because you've got Wisconsin will probably win that division, or maybe it's Iowa, unless Minnesota like stays undefeated somehow or only has one loss going to that game, right? The Big Ten is not going to be a playoff championship game. The Big Twelve, Oklahoma already has one loss, and whoever they rematch against will probably already have at least two. Maybe Baylor can make that interesting if Baylor can hold off and we'll see what happens, but most likely it's not going to happen in the Big 12. It's definitely not happening in the ACC, my gosh, right? So the Pac-12 is setting up to potentially have this juggernaut monster championship game, which they've never had before. And that's also why the winner of that game is probably guaranteed a playoff spot if that scenario plays out because that'll be the biggest win of that week outside maybe the SEC championship game, right? I mean, best scenario for the SEC championship game, you get the winner of the Florida-Georgia game running the table, going into that game with one loss, right? And then you have an undefeated LSU or an undefeated Alabama on the other side. That would make that game a playoff game, right? The winner of that game would definitely go to the playoff. But it would be really cool for the Pac-12 to finally have a juggernaut championship game like that. And in a perfect world, right, we would have at least four of those games a year. And that would basically be your expanded playoff, right? If every year we had at least four, maybe even just three, but at least four, potentially five, right? What if every conference championship game somehow always went down where it was played between two teams with one loss? That essentially means that all of them are going to the playoff afterwards, except for you'd have to leave one of them out if there was five. But that would be your expanded playoff right there, right? And unfortunately, we've had these situations where either it's the Pac-12, where they're always having both of their teams enter that game with two losses, or like what happened in the ACC last year where like you just had such a lopsided division winner, right? Or even the Big Ten last year where it was like it was Ohio State who was potentially a playoff team, but they were playing like an 8-4 and four Northwestern. Typically, you want the 
representatives in the championship games for the conferences to have a minimum of two losses, right? Like when it's a one loss team versus a two loss team, that's big time, that's epic. 10 and two versus 11 and one. Obviously two 11 and one teams is insanely epic, right? I mean, a scenario where both were undefeated or one's undefeated, one has one loss, which is what we might get in the SEC this year. Like those are epic. And the more and more we get those matchups, the more and more you can make the argument against an 18 playoff because you basically already have it, right? You already have an expanded playoff on championship Saturday. Those games, more often than not, are playoff games. So I'm hoping this year we get it set up where, you know, SEC, Big Ten, and hopefully Pac-12 give us these monster matchups. And even when it's not two playoff teams, like I said, when it's what you had last year in Oklahoma and Texas, right? You had a nine and three Texas team versus an 11 and one Oklahoma. That's still big time because obviously Texas wants that conference title game and they want the bragging rights, but they also get to play a huge spoiler, right? It's not as fun when like Pitt is playing Clemson because one, you know, they have no chance. Two, it's like, even if they spoiled them, that almost makes it more annoying because now you have to put a seven and five pit team in like a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be really annoying. Or like last year, like you don't really want Northwestern as a four loss team somehow finding a way to win and then go to a New Year's Six Bowl. But when it's like a 10 and two team that probably can't make the playoff, but can still have a chance to knock off a playoff team, like those are huge and epic games as well. So I hope we keep seeing more and more of those types of matchups as we go forward because that's what makes college football really great at the end of the season, right? That's your expanded playoff slash playoff spoiler games. And then you get your new year six and playoff games at the end of the year. And there's no reason to have 18 playoffs, 16 playoffs, all these other things for expansion. And if we're talking about teams this year that could potentially be that spoiler team, not necessarily in a conference title game, but just in general, there's three Four teams here that I'm thinking have a chance to, even though they've lost two games now, or in one of their cases, three games now, these teams still have a chance to make some big, dramatic things go their way, that which would really affect the landscape of college football. And the three teams I'm thinking of the most are Michigan, Texas A&M, and Auburn. Both these teams have two or more losses at this point, right? But... They look like they're pretty good. In Texas A&M's case, right, they look like they're getting better. And all of them have these big matchups ahead of them where they're going to have nothing to lose, right? Can you imagine if Mich- if this is the year Michigan finds a way to knock off Ohio State, potentially take their dreams away from them? If Ohio State's undefeated going into the Michigan game and Michigan beats them, that's going to really throw some curveballs into the air. Now, what's going to make that game even more sketchy for Ohio State is let's say Ohio State drops the game to Penn State, but then maybe by then other crazy stuff is happening in college football, and it looks like that scenario we're talking about in the SEC might happen in the Big Ten, where Penn State's about to go to the Big Ten title game and make the playoff undefeated, but Ohio State might sneak in at 11-1. and Well, if Michigan beats them right there, that's their second loss, you know, they're screwed now. So... Michigan has the chance to play some big-time spoiler games. Also, Texas A&M. Yes, Texas A&M has three losses. They've already dropped games to Clemson, to Auburn, and Alabama. But they do look like they're getting better. And Texas A&M plays Georgia and LSU this year. I really think they might get one of those games, which would be huge, right? Because let's say Georgia beats Florida this weekend, which means they control the East, And they're hoping to roll into the SEC championship game with that one loss, win that SEC championship game, and still go to the playoff. Well, what happens if now Texas A&M comes up and beats them, and now they don't have playoff hopes going into that SEC championship game anymore? That would be a big deal. Or even if Georgia loses to Florida, they're still probably trying to go make a New Year's Six Bowl as a 10-win team. And if Texas A&M beats them and drops them down to a three-loss team, that could possibly knock them out of a New Year's Six Bowl. And then obviously, if Texas A&M found a way to beat LSU somehow, that could have big ramifications also, right? That would also destroy the two-team SEC playoff scenario because even if LSU beat Bama but then lost to A&M, they're still going to the SEC title game, right? Because now they would just be tied with Bama, but they have head-to-head. 
right? And they're still going to then go to the SEC championship game. So that can be a big deal. And then you got Auburn, right, who still has a chance to play Georgia and Alabama. And it wouldn't be crazy if they found a way to win one of those games, right? Auburn has promised this year that Auburn defense is going to cause some teams problems, right? Just looking ahead to the Alabama matchup, Alabama's run defense is a little suspect to me. And Auburn's defense is great. So if Auburn's defense finds a way to keep that game low scoring against Alabama, and Alabama, because they're not the Alabama defenses of old, is giving up some run plays, right? And anything can happen in an Iron Bowl. That game could be huge too. So we've got some two lost teams out there that have the chance to play big spoiler. I mean, Kansas State already played spoiler as a big as a two-loss team, right? We'll see what happens with them going forward. But I mean, these two lost teams that are out of the playoff can still cause some major shakeups at the end of the season. And a lot of times the two lost teams get those wins at the end of the season because while they have nothing to lose and are just going out there, that undefeated team or one lost team that they're playing has all that pressure of trying to keep their record good enough to make the playoff and all the other potential things that they're out there to reward teams at the end of the season. So it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And I'm looking forward to see if those teams can really shake things up down the stretch because that would just be a lot of fun. But let's get back to who's alive. Every week I update the list and I'm going to start it out in order with the undefeated teams and then the one-loss teams. Now all these teams I'm about to mention are technically still alive for a college football playoff. They're all 100% alive for their divisions, their conference championships and New Year's Six Bowls. But they're all completely alive for the college football playoff. And the first two teams are LSU and Alabama. Both 8-0. They will play each other and knock one of them out. But as we stand today, they completely control their own destinies and they're alive for the college football playoff. The next two teams are Ohio State and Penn State. They're both 8-0, both in the Big Ten. They will play each other and have the exact same scenario that I just mentioned with Alabama and LSU play out. And then you've got Clemson. The only team in the ACC with a chance, pretty much. I'm going to give you a surprise in a minute. But you've got 8-0 Clemson, who's hoping to just pound through the rest of their schedule, show that they're superior, get back into the playoff. Okay? If we go back to the Big Ten real quick, then there's Minnesota. Minnesota's ranked 13th right now, but they're 8-0. And while a lot of people see losses coming for Minnesota, technically, they control their own destiny. They go undefeated in the Big Ten. You know, they're getting into the playoff, right? They got to play Penn State, right? They've got to play Wisconsin at the end of the year. Then they'd have to win most likely a game against Ohio State or a rematch with Penn State in the Big Ten title game. But they control their own destiny, okay? Now let's go through... Oh, wait, there's one more undefeated team. That's Baylor, right? Baylor's undefeated. They're the only undefeated team in the Big 12 now. Technically, they're at the top of the Big 12, and they still have to play Texas. They still have to play Oklahoma. But they look pretty promising out there. And they play defense. So I think they have a chance to beat Oklahoma. You know, that's going to be a big-time game in the Big 12. And think about how crazy it would be if Baylor made it to the playoff or something like that. But they control their own destiny. Baylor could still lose a game and make the playoff, right? Baylor could lose to Oklahoma but then beat Oklahoma in a rematch. And as long as both those games are close, they'd have a very good argument to make the playoff. Now let's go to the one-loss teams. From the SEC, you've got Florida and Georgia. Now these two teams play each other literally this weekend, and one of them will be eliminated as far as the playoff concerned, and it's also going to basically be eliminating them from the division championship. Now the loser of that game will still have a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl because the loser of that game could still finish 10 and 2. I think a 10 and 2 Florida or a 10 and 2 Georgia, you know, goes back to a New Year's Six Bowl this year. But that game's going to be huge and Florida and Georgia control their own destinies because if they get to the conference championship game with one loss, they've put themselves in a position to win that game and make the playoff, right? A one-loss SEC champion is going to the playoff, that's obvious. Okay, now let's do the two teams in the Pac-12. That's Oregon and Utah. And I already talked about they're setting up to potentially have this awesome Pac-12 championship showdown. But I would argue that they, for the most part, control their destinies because a one-loss conference champion is probably going to get to the playoff. So there you go. And the last team we have to mention 
is Wake Forest because as we stand today, they're sitting there at six and one. And if they were to somehow win the ACC with one loss, that would mean that they had the win over Clemson, which would be the biggest win anybody's had all year long. And yeah, they lost to Louisville at home. That game was a shootout. Louisville's not terrible. And I don't know, it just feels weird because you feel like even if that were to happen to Wake Forest, somehow they'd find a way to screw them over. And I've even asked the other question, like, if Wake Forest goes 10-2 and two this year, are they going to get into a New Year's Six Bowl like any other 10-win Power 5 team would? Or will the logo on their helmet somehow get them into one of the lower tier bowls instead? Which I think would be ridiculous, right? If, if anybody has 10 wins, they deserve to be right there in that conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl berth. I don't care if it's Wake Forest, Minnesota, Baylor. You don't have to be a blue blood to go to New Year's Six Bowl. You just have to be successful. And Wake Forest has made an Orange Bowl before, but that was back when they won the ACC had a really bad year for the ACC, and they got an automatic berth, right? And obviously, if Wake Forest wins the ACC, that means they beat Clemson, which really doesn't seem like it would happen. But in some crazy weird scenario where Wake Forest beats Clemson and then finishes 12-1 and ACC champion, they'd have to be considered for a playoff spot just like a 12-1 and Oklahoma 12-1 Oregon, any of these other conference champions would. Now, they probably lose the battle and resume comparisons maybe to some of those teams, but what if all these two losses start happening around? You know, it's it's really interesting, but probably not going to happen for them. But, I mean, they're doing a really good job down there in Winston-Salem, and it's just it's cool to see what they're doing. So, Wake Forest, technically still alive. And real quick, let's just go through the two lost teams that are that are good, right? So you've got Auburn ranked number 11th right now at 6 and 2. You got Michigan ranked number 14th right now at 6 and 2. Wisconsin is at 18th at 6 and 2. Then you got Notre Dame at 5 and 2 and then Kansas State at 5 and 2. Um, all of those two lost teams are pretty promising, right? If you're one of those two lost teams, you still have huge things to play for this college football season, right? You desperately want to get to 10 wins. You want to win out. Because you're probably going to go to New Year's Six Bowl, right? I mean, if you're Kansas State, you would love to find a way to go play in a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Go to a Sugar Bowl, go to a Cotton Bowl. That would be awesome, right? If you're Notre Dame, you have been dealing with people telling you you're not good enough, right? Especially after last year's playoff. Oh, Notre Dame has hit its ceiling. Well, the one thing Notre Dame hasn't done is won a big bowl game. Like literally in my lifetime almost. I think the last time Notre Dame won a New Year's Six Bowl game was like 1993 season, 94. Yeah, I think it was the 1993 season they won the Cotton Bowl against Texas A&M. Since then, they've gotten to a lot of these New Year's Six Bowl games, but they haven't won them. And usually they get blown out in them, right? And then they've been blown out in the national title against Bama. They got blown out in the playoff last year against Clemson. So if Notre Dame wants to take a big step forward, Go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Get yourself into an Orange Bowl. Get yourself into a Cotton Bowl, right? A Sugar Bowl, and win. Because that's something they haven't done in a while. That would be a huge step for Notre Dame. If they could go win a New Year's Six Bowl, finally put a postseason trophy in that case, that could help a lot with recruiting. You know, that that's just that would be a big deal. And then Wisconsin, Michigan, both of you guys have a chance to get to a Rose Bowl still. If you guys went out, you're going to a Rose Bowl. And then Auburn, you know, you're sitting up there. Why not play spoiler and get yourself to a Sugar Bowl and win another one of those big games? So the two lost teams still have a lot to fight for. Hell, there's even three lost teams that have a lot to fight for because there's a, a lot of teams that finish 9-3 and three also are given opportunities to go to these New Year's Six Bowls, right? Florida State, it happened to them in 2016, and then they won, so they finished with 10 wins. Uh, you saw it from Penn State in 2016, or, or sorry, USC, who beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl in 2016 to give them that 10th win. So two loss and even some of these three loss teams, you know, you got a lot to play for. And that's why some of these one loss and undefeated teams have to watch out because they're going to run into some of these two loss, maybe three loss teams. And those teams are still good and have a, nothing to lose, but still have a lot to play for. So 
it's it's a big deal. Like I said, this college football season, it's looking like things have leveled out. We don't have the obvious, oh, those are the two best teams that'll probably play in the championship game, which is kind of the narrative we've had for the past like four years. So that's really, really fun. What you can ask for is really fun competitive conference title games. And then you want six New Year's Six Bowl games that are all awesome and competitive. How fun would it be to have two competitive semifinals before having a good national title game? I've talked about this a lot, but the semifinals, outside of maybe two of them, they've all been blowouts. So, and yeah, we've gotten some really good national championship games, but most of these semifinal games are, are blowouts, which is, that's just not fun, right? We want competitive football games. We want the New Year's Six, playoff games included, to be epic bowl games, right? That guys don't want to sit out for. That coaches, fan bases, players, everybody holds in a high regard and goes out and wins them. We want epic Rose Bowls, Fiesta Bowls, Sugar Bowls, Cotton Bowls, Orange Bowls. We want those things. And especially when they're the two playoff games, we really want those games to be competitive. And then, of course, you know, we want our competitive national title games. So hopefully we get that this year. It's looking a lot more promising this year than it has been in years before. So we'll see what happens. I had some other things I was going to talk about, but getting close to an hour here. So I'm going to save that stuff for later. And yeah, enjoy this weekend. Got some big rivalry games, obviously Georgia and Florida. But you've got Florida State-Miami, which is a big game in its own right. Both teams are 4-4. Four and four, And that's going to be a huge game in determining the future of those two programs, whether it's recruiting-wise. right? I don't think Willie Taggart keeps his job if he loses that game in the long run. So a lot of fun this, this week. Uh, a lot of teams have bye weeks, but there's still some fun games to focus in on. Oregon USC is going to be a big one this week, right? Because USC is still completely alive for the South because they have that win over Utah and their other two losses are non-conference. Oregon still fighting for a playoff berth and that game is going to be, is going to be pretty epic, right? A lot of good athletes on both, both sides of the field. Also, a fun little matchup, two brothers, right? Uh, Michael Pittman, who was a running back for the Buccaneers, a great running back. His sons are both wide receivers, and one plays for USC, Michael Pittman Jr., and the other one plays for Oregon, Micah Pittman. And they both have really good game at receiver. They look really similar. They play a similar type of game at receiver. And it's going to be fun to see them squaring off and just the rest of those offenses and defenses because Oregon's got a great defense. USC can score on anybody. They're, they're athletic. They're good. And it's going to be an interesting coaching matchup because I think both of those coaches kind of struggle to manage games. But anyway, that's what we got this weekend. Enjoy it. I'm going to be in Tallahassee for the Florida State-Miami game. And then as soon as that game's over, I'm headed to a bar to watch that Oregon game. So let's have a fun weekend, and I'll see you guys next week.